Welcome to Singled Out, your ninth best gaming podcast. Please stand by. This episode is a Vale Patreon episode that's been on the feed for a very long time and I basically haven't forgotten to have it on the main feed for the ages. Personally I blame Steve for that. So this is a episode where Steve talks to the Langtons about the Smiths and it's a guide to, to making the Smiths work and to making your opponent's game as miserable. Hopefully enjoy it. Sorry there's been no episodes for a long time, life's been a thing. Hopefully me and Steve will be recording soon. Anyway, enough family from me. Now we'll have Steve and the Langtons talking about how they kill Gilbert. Just a week or two ago, my poor old Uncle Bill went to kick the bucket and he left me in his will. The other day I popped around to see poor Auntie Jane. She said your Uncle Bill has left to you a watch and chain. I put it on, right across my vest. Thought I looked a dandy as it dangled on my chest. Just to flash it off, I started walking round about. A lot of kiddies followed me and all began to shout. Any old iron, any old iron, any, any, any old iron. You look neat, talk about a treat. You look a dapper from your dapper to your feet. Dressed in style, a brand new tile and your father's old green tie on. But I wouldn't give you tuppence for your old watch chain. Old iron, old iron. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Singled Out, a sometime Guild Ball podcast. My name is Steve Cole. I will be your host for this evening. I've been made aware by Skype that I should alert our guests that we are recording them. So I'm going to alert you, Francois Langton, that we are recording. Very much appreciated. And, and good I'm evening. also going to alert you, Valerian Langton, that we are recording. That is a useful piece of information to know. Hello, listeners. So, you might be wondering, why on earth would I get two Langtons on a podcast? Like, who, you know, who wants this content? Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you may have seen on Facebook, given the release date of these, probably like seven years ago or something like that, that we ran a poll saying, what guild would you like us to cover next in our guide to the guilds? And the public unanimously said blacksmiths. And the main comment that's previously been made on this podcast about blacksmiths was by uh, 
you, was by you know all-round guild ball guru Fraser McFetridge, and the statement he made was, "If you're playing blacksmiths, all extension is overextension." And I thought, who embodies that mentality more than anybody else? And clearly, it's you guys. Uh, but, but for those that don't know you, do, do you want to skip like sort of thirty seconds on your miserable, miserable background to guild ball? <laughs> Um, so I, Francois, uh, am the one who plays on Vassal. So I managed to complete Guild Ball by playing all the guilds all the time. And yeah, that, that's me, Valerian. Uh, I am the other Langton, the one who refuses to play in, on the internet um, because I don't believe it exists. Um, and uh, I just clock people out for fun. <laughs> So yeah, that's a pretty good summary. So so we're going to talk about blacksmiths, and and I think, like, I think in the post like Steamforge uh, games, the uh, sort of days of Guild Ball, we don't have to pretend that all guilds are created equal. I think the fa- a fair my starting supposition to you guys would be that blacksmiths are a hard team to play well, but they have they they are a hard they're a tricky team to learn, but they are very powerful. Like if you get it right, would that would you guys say that was fair? I think so. They require you to play in a very different way to every other guild that's out there, um, just by nature of the master apprentice thing with the auras and wanting to be close to one another. So yeah, it's it's if you're coming to them from another guild, you're going to struggle to start with because you just don't want to play them like anyone else. Yeah, particularly the various things, particularly the not having a standard six influence captain that you know will just go and do whatever score goals or punch someone for six influence and then the synergy between the different masters and apprentices uh works as i said very differently to any other guilds and you have to flex around what you're doing a lot more with regards to captains yeah they're quite they're quite interesting aren't they? they're quite deceptive because you have that sentinel master combination and you have that like basically you have you're always going to have three squaddies who essentially are support models and three squaddies who are output models and it as you say it is quite a shift it's you know it's like the antithesis of playing um a super solo guild you know it's not like playing shepherds or playing hammer or playing thresher you know you're not like i just need to pump all my influence through this one model though there is one model they should pump a lot of influence through that we'll come on to but but you're not just looking to pump as much influence as possible through the single model and that model will essentially win you the game with some support and some sort of defensive stuff yeah, most of the time you're looking to spread your influence out, um, even if it's just kind of two or three models providing buffs to the two model output models. But it's very rare that you're only putting on two or three models. Generally, four or five models are getting influence every turn, pretty much, which is unusual. Most guilds, three models are getting all the influence. Blacksmiths, you're spreading it out pretty much every single turn. Yeah, is that, that ring true to you, Franco? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Because the way the masters function as set up models, generally, you want one or two on your masters to do their setup things. Whether that's that's a direct buff or um, on onto one of your your apprentices, or if they're just going to go and punch someone a couple of times for a knockdown or singled out or stagger, depending on which which master it is. And then you've got your apprentices where you generally want to. Pick two out of the three and just load them up, mm. depending on the game state. 
I think it's fair to say, like, yeah, I think you're just with with the masters, like, uh, you know, what you're looking to do is generally give out buffs to your own teams. So, you know, things like you know traditional stuff, tooled up, that sort of thing, or you're looking to debuff the opposition models. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's tricky about them as a guild to play is to get the timing between like between takeouts and goals and like buffs and debuffs right because it's not like you know you you can't even the really good squaddies or the really high output squaddies in blacksmiths very rarely output say the level that like i use the example again say hammer does um you know they they're not gonna kill a model and score a goal as as easily as those sort of really high output models do so what you're trying to often do is uh you know gain points while also sort of setting up your next way of scoring points perhaps in a more considered way than other guilds would do like i know for a fact you know like playing playing alchemists i'll often just like stand midas about halfway up the board or playing miners you stand shaft like halfway up the board and you're like okay if the situation's right they'll go and get me points whereas i think blacksmiths you're probably a bit more you have to be a bit more considered about it and i guess the other thing is what you do have is is a lot of defensive tech like you know you there's the very specific sets of defensive tech you can use with blacksmiths is that fair? <laughs> i mean <laughs> what you need are we coming around to the one inch widget is, is I, th- I, think we, I think we're we're five minutes deep i think we have to talk about the one inch widget so right? basically Sentinel is one of the best rules in the game and you should be playing at a minimum one sentinel master every single game if you can get two in there perfect because Making apprentices for for defense armor two makes them incredibly difficult to kill. If you can get them in cover as well, even better. <laughs> this is where the one in, one inch widget comes into play. One inch from cover, one inch next to a sentinel master, and that's all you need for blacksmiths. Yeah, that's a, that's a podcast. Basically, stay in, uh, yeah. stay in cover. And, and I think that's, but I think that can be a tricky thing when you're newer. Is like because I guess a lot of the like original literature around it was like that the masters are the tough guys they're the hard ones to kill and the apprentices are squishy and apprentices are kind of squishy as long as they're I not mean, standing by mat they're like 13 boxes they're, they're mostly kind of standard defensive they're usually stats. like one health lower than regular yeah and that's the point it's like if they're on their own they're kind of squishy not in a big way but like vitriol squishy but like they're if they're, as soon as they're in sentinel they're some of the hardest models to kill in the game yeah and and, and what you're basically then making people do is making them have to go for like you know they have to fight the masters, um, who are all basically you know sort of three two two three twenty odd boxes. I mean the objective behind Sentinel and things like that is trying to make your opponent's options as difficult as possible, trying not to give your opponent an easy target. So yeah. they have to go into a master who, as you say, has loads of armor, loads of uh, hit points. Or a four to apprentice, which is equally hard to get into. And I think the with that, so yes, there's there's a sort of like what it means is your tempo is often slightly slower than with other guilds. I think if you're playing, and I'm talking about like playing at a fairly competitive level here, like we'll talk about other ways you can run them. But but what you'll often find with blacksmiths when they're playing in that way is. Um, their tempo is slower because actually they can play much more like a season three guild ball team because they can restrict what the opposition can output but they're not actually they're very rarely you're not often having like six point turns or eight point turns you're often like getting a couple of kills or getting a goal and it's quite sort of like 
you know, you're not racking up tons of momentum and you're not racking up tons of points in single turns. But the flip side of that is generally, if you get it right, if you have your one inch widget and you're, you're using it properly, your opponent will not be able to score at the rate that they would be expecting to score with that team. So you're sort of often trying to grind the game down a bit. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they sort of play the way they look. You know, they're all big and beefy in armour. Um, so, yeah, they want to tough it out and grind the game a lot because that's kind of how they're designed. You, they're, all, they're all designed to stick together in a big ball by virtue of the Master Apprentice buffs and Sentinel Auras, and you outlast your opponent most of the time. Um, and as you say, just slowly score points. The flip side of that is they are obviously there's a couple of things that they're quite vulnerable to. I get like particular particular models like who can break that way of playing. You know, so scalpel and steel jaw are the obvious ones who can who can break the connect. Basically, they can make your one inch widget redundant, and then sad times you're like, I've got to go to a two inch widget. Oh, this is all over. So I think you just like if you're looking at that that attritional style of play. You do have to be aware that there are a couple of models in the game who have very good counters to that. And, and with you, Frank, was saying that they, they play as they look. I think one thing that is deceptive about them in terms of their cards is actually their kick stats. Like, they have really good kick stats. And so you, you, they, are, they have the kick stats of a football guild. But it's, at best, they're like mixed arms with them. They're, they're a funny team because they don't have brilliant ball retrieval, but they're good on the ball. So I, I guess one of the things, I don't, I don't know if you've found this, is you can be tempted to try and play football with them and try and play a more tempo-y football game with them. But actually, that uh, like, and you can do it, like, and it can be quite fun, but it's like quite hard to do it at a high level because their ball retrieval is limited. Yeah, they're it's almost one, one of those things where as you say, they've got all got good kick stats, so they can move the ball around really well. And, you know, they've got some models with really good movement. Um, bolts, even cast. The cinders are pretty quick as well. Alloy. Barris. Yeah. They can go and score a goal, but they've got no ways around close control other than a couple of character plays. Um, and, you know, those are risky. You're just scattering the ball. So, yeah, it can be tough retrieving it. And, um, yeah, it, it makes you want to play football, which takes you away from some of their other strengths, because ideally a football team wants to spread out so you can cover the pitch and go after the ball wherever it ends up, which is kind of counter to the design of the blacksmiths. There aren't many teams that they can play full on 3-0, three goal football against. And that is teams without the close control, without resilience players, players that they can just charge into and take the ball off without needing to do any other shenanigans, uh, which is very limited guilds in the game. It's quite an, yeah, you, you, you would need a team that doesn't out-tempo you retrieving the ball, but doesn't have good ball defence tech either. So to, to go 3-0 into, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. And they... I think also they, it's a really good point you made, Francois, about them, that you can't spread out, you don't want to spread out as much with them because obviously that breaks down a lot of the synergies that you have through the Master and Apprentice rules and Sentinel and all of that sort of thing. And I think also if you really want to play football, you kind of need an opponent who's going to give you the ball back. But one thing I do think with those kick sets is for a fighting team, 
they having they they're the best fighting team in the game at using the ball for positioning because um, they have they have okay. really reliable kicks. They have models like Bolt who will come on to. So they they're really good at using the ball to reposition themselves in a way other fighting teams aren't. Yeah, and they've got they've got several models that really enable that um, kind of style in uh, yeah Ferris and Bolt and then Hearth as well. Yeah, with her aura, the name of which I can't remember. Match experience. That's, That's the, the pony. Yeah, well done, Valerian. Bonus points to Valerian for remembering how to guild ball. <laughs> um, so, so is there anything else in, in the sort of core, like core mechanics of playing them? Obviously, obviously, you need to be remembering your sort of masters and your apprentice. What about, what about say drafting or kick receive? Is there is there particular stuff in that? We'll, we'll talk a bit more about the individual models in a, in a second, but because I, I do feel like they play quite differently kick or receive it's also that also really ties into the choice of captain because blacksmiths have a theoretical vast amount of captain choice although realistically most of them are traps as captains generally receiving you're playing captain farris because her legendary giving everyone a free pass which as we were just talking about with their good kick stats enables them to a generate all the momentum in the world and B, with half, manoeuvre their entire team around and therefore threaten the kicking model with multiple models, move everyone four inches up the pitch. Um, so that's where the kick-receive comes in. Kicking, you've got a bit more of an option as to what captains you might pick. Um, generally, you're looking at Ferrite or Furnace or, in certain cases, Anvil. But it's Or Faris again, I think. Again, yeah. kicking, there isn't really a bad choice of captain most of the time. Whereas receiving, you have to really have an amazing reason not to pick Faris because as captain because that legendary. That that said, there are situations where you can justify picking pretty much any of the masters yeah. as captain. Yeah, um, they all have. This is the kind of the thing about Smiths compared to pretty much any other guild. There aren't actually any dead picks in there. Yeah, there are situational uses for every single model. There's there's some you definitely kind of take more than others, but there isn't a model in there you kind of go, oh that's bad. I wouldn't take that. It's more of a, I'd take that for this, but not for this situation. I remember doing that when we we sort of you know we were hypothesising before a tournament back in the days when those things happened. And oh, you I'm say like, that we went to a tournament. Tournaments are alive. I didn't there ask you deliberately about that because this podcast will go out like a year after we've recorded it. <laughs> like so, <laughs> so you could have gone to any tournament in 2021. <laughs> like, that's it. Um, but I guess uh, I I know you played a miserable final against each other. Like it's it's it, it was no. sort of beautiful. No, we played a very silly final against each other. <laughs> You'll still have played it miserably. Like, you know, like I scored goal, two goal. goals. Blair was about to score a goal, but his dice let him down. <laughs> Because because he, he obviously because he tried to score a goal, so the dice just rejected <laughs> him. Never, no, no, to our handy listeners, don't try and score a goal; you'll regret it. Yeah. <laughs> you st- you stealing Beard's catchphrase now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gone to Australia. You can't litigate for it back. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think you're right about the captain choice. I think my my general thinking of it, and we'll, we'll come to this, is there's also like the two things I think about with the captain is. It's primarily like is the is the legendary going to be is the boat the beefed up legendary going to be particularly useful in this game like yeah. that's you know a big one like so like you're saying about the Faris legendary but like we'll talk about this a bit but like you're playing into corsair so the anvil legendary is really good because it can block drags so that's the print that's the main reason you're taking that model usually is for the legendary 
And then the other one is probably is am I gonna am I at some point would five influence on this cap on this model be useful? And I generally find with that that the only two I'm really keen on that with is um Faris and Ferrite. Because they, um, they can execute goal runs. I know others can use it. But... Furnace is probably the other one I would actually consider as useful having five influence because he can actually do stuff. He can actually kill people with five influence. Yeah, that's fair. He he can be a good top of the turn because he's the only master with momentous damage. So, I'd agree because yeah. I actually think Furnace probably has the best playbook in terms of all-round usage out of the masters. And he's got an eight-inch kick as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to Furnace's specific like mm-hmm. occasional amazing goal run, but but the momentous one damage on Furnace, which we get, we'll move into talking about them in a second. But like, but he's a very good model to go first with, uh, and five influence on him can be like, yeah, kill a model, knock some guys down, put out searing strike, tool someone up, and yeah, like he does feel like the other one probably. Uh, yeah, okay. Should we should we talk a bit about the models? And this might be a bit more like sort of card ready because as we said like a lot of what you're doing with blacksmiths is tech picks and i think what we'll do is we'll talk about this in terms of like master and apprentice mm-hmm. um so i'd love to do some sort of slick system with this but i'm literally going to read go from in the order they're in the app um <laughs> but i think maybe we should make one quick caveat on that that we'll come on to is obviously almost always you are taking the apprentice that is tethered to the master but the most the, the apprentices you want most are the ones that aren't tethered to any particular model, um, which, in my mind, the, the two sort of flex apprentices are Vet Sender and Cast, because mm-hmm. they they can do the most stuff without being linked to one specific model. I would also throw Iron as well, where you can you can take Iron without um, being linked to his master as well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like I think uh, for a specific reason though. For a yes. Cast and Cinder are just general. Just like they're just good. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's go first. Let's let's talk about. So we're going to do this probably not in order of power. So listener, you might have to stay on to hear about some of the more the stronger stuff. But um, anvil and sledge. Let's go with them first. Um, what? How? Why would you use them? What's specific about them? Are are they common choices for you? They mm. were common. They were before <laughs> cast got busted. Um, in one of the Steamforged Erratas, they were the first names on the team sheet because Sledge is one of the few out damage output models in... I forgot what guild we're playing with, Blacksmiths. Anvil is an amazing setup piece. Knocked down a one, singled out on two, pushes for days. Plus, he's he's a Sentinel Master, and he's really, really hard to kill. So hard to kill. (laughs) Two, three defense, 21 boxes... Frankly, they're just uh, limited models in the game that are ever going to kill him. Um, you take him if you want someone's really hard to kill, and if you want his legendary for, as you say, provides stoic for masters, tough fight for apprentices, particularly useful into teams like Corsair for the stoic, and shepherds and farmers for the tough hide. Yeah. Um, Sledge is there if you want a model that can charge on someone and deal 10 or 12 damage in one charge. Yeah, yeah. Sledge, I think Sledge. I think if you're taking Anvil, you generally are taking Sledge because with yeah. Anvil he's super good value. Um, basically, he has Momentous Eight on the top of his playbook, and with Pile Driver for three, 
uh, extra net hits. It's, I wouldn't say reliable, but you've got a pretty good chance of hitting that on the charge, and he gets a free knockdown. Yeah, so, he he can do an unbelievable. Sledge can do an unbelievable amount of damage. Like I know this, I know you, you know when you do those sort of thought exercises of who can actually do the most damage in the game, but, but Sledge can just do so much damage. Like I've um, I've uh, at the final of event, uh, one rounded, uh, Shank with Sledge. Yeah. Like you know, like just to take my opponents turn one or two, and I think actually we're touching on sort of shepherds and farmers. I think Anvil and Sledge are particularly good into those teams because also they have so much health yeah. and quite low defensive stats. So if you re- if you if you're looking at a game going, I'm really going to need to kill models, like, and I want to sort of slow up my ability to be killed. Anvil and Sledge are, are a really good combination for that, uh, and and also Anvil does bring with him a, a move buff as well, which actually not that many of the masters do um and it's move buff you can hit off the playbook which can be hilarious <laughs> for generating crowd outs <laughs> should probably note that sledge only has an eight inch threat range so yeah. he is very vulnerable to control teams in particular um which is his may is his significant weakness yeah 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 he's he's it's yeah he's got nerfed down to a one inch reach uh like when blacksmiths were, were super OP, so he he doesn't see play for me as much as he used to. As you say, I think they were auto includes until those changes were made, and now they're more like they're more sort of techy. You know, is it corsair? Do I want to do tons of damage? Um, let's talk about the newest additions, uh, which are culvern and cutlass, who bring something slightly different, don't they? In, in the fact they bring quite a lot of range damage. Yep, they're all about the range stuff and the condition clearing. Um, so again, they're not. It's not something you need in every matchup, um, but having range knockdown, range rough terrain, all this with range, pretty good range damage as well. Um, and then uh, Culverin's uh, legendary to remove all conditions, and if she's the captain, also to heal, mm. is super good. A um, couple of other quirky things like the. Uh, cutlass dodge if someone tries to take a shot but it's situational at best generally you're taking <laughs> them for, for the for the range damage the not knock down three damage at range is very strong although remember that all of cutlass's shots come from the culverin model mm. so if you're new to blacksmiths that's going to confuse you read the card that card about 20 times Col- culverin wants to go forwards and be where you want to shoot so it does sort of sometimes pose activation issues because a lot of the time you want to move Culver in first to get into position for Cutlass to do things. But less of an issue after the first turn, generally. I will say that Culverin shares quite a lot of design space with Burnish, who will come mm. onto a market because of the condition clearing. And generally you're taking one or the other in in your in your team depending on what you think you might need and whether you want Cutlass's ranged uh, abilities as well. Yeah, I think they can, Varnish and Culver, you can play them in the same team. Actually, strangely often with Captain Furnace, if, if you want to just throw a lot of poo at someone, like if, you, if, you, you know, if you're playing a team that like really likes the crowd up, like throw, having both of those can give you, but I, I, I broadly agree with you. I'm just saying you, you can do it. That, that'll make for a really comedy mirror match. They're literally <laughs> standing facing one another, throwing things. And clearing all conditions. And then clearing all the conditions and healing. <laughs> yeah. I guess where where 
Culverin is quite good as well as against like because of her her character plays is useful if, if teams you know against people like Smoke and Sugar and those sort of models because she like makes you take less damage from range plays. Um, one other thing, and I think this is a generally worth saying about all apprentices is almost all apprentices in the right situation will do a surprising amount of damage, and Cutlass can do a lot of damage because actually yeah. the fact she has a free three damage knockdown as a character play like she's one of she weirdly can kind of set herself up because she can walk up to a model get chain shots knock a model down and then start going to town on it and she's got a momentous three on three and a momentous six on six yeah yeah i mean any model with six damage on the playbook (laughs) it's got to be considered a damage dealer and again you're not hitting that the top of that playbook very often but it is there and especially with Colvin giving out I Spy for the tack buff and the free knockdown from chain shot, it's, it's achievable. Yeah. Cutlass can do a pretty reliable 12 damage to mm. something, you know, given the knockdown and given the three on three. Like, you know, like, any, like any apprentice, you can spike up high. Um, okay, let's talk about the, the original captain, I guess, um, when they first came out, uh, which is uh, Ferrite and Iron. So Ferrite's the one who got buffed in the most recent errata, not in a huge way. So, so my gut feeling with Ferrite is she plays as captain when you're kicking, or not at all? Completely agree. I think she really, really struggles as a non-captain. Three influence, she just cannot do enough for what she wants to do, which is try and get the ball and score. Three influence doesn't do enough to do that. When she's got five, she's got enough influence to charge, acrobatic, shoot which requires four influence normally, which is why she needs to be captain. And the legendary giving everyone within six inches plus two plus two move, super good kicking. Because you can that means you can easily get two models threatening your opponent turn one. Which usually Blacksmiths can't do, because what she, what she definitely can do, like a, a fairly standard sort of kicking ploy, would be you kick with, say, cast, and then basically Ferrite goes, she doesn't have any influence on her, she legendaries, and then she pulls iron six inches up the pitch and iron then goes and wails on models i think the other thing that's worth saying with ferrite is disarm on one hit mm. is backbreaking for some teams hi navigators <laughs> yeah just just i mean I, I remember one game i was playing to hunters and i was just standing next to edge the entire game with ferrite having one influence and he kept putting influence on edge and i kept hitting the disarm and because ferrite has armor too mm. any model that has Limited attack with disarm can do nothing at all to blacksmiths. And I think that's particularly true for navigators and cooks. Yeah. Like there are other teams where it's like, but those are teams that really, really yeah. hate having tack dice taken off them. So ferrite, ferrite can be like a really nasty disruption control piece, just going around binking bits off models. And then in a weird contrast to Ferrite, who's the goal scorey captain, you have Iron, who's the ball <laughs> ball protecting model. Uh, close close control, tough hide, um, three armor if he's in Sentinel. So he just he just sits there. He's got a good count. He's only he's got a good counter attack with a double push on one. The only problem is he's only got one inch melee, but with close control and three armor, mm. and another model standing right in front of him. And hopefully cover as well if you've got your positioning as perfect as it should be with your one-inch widget. He's very tough to get the ball off. He's also got tactics and a super reliable damaging playbook. Momentous 2-on-2, yeah. two two, Momentous 4-on-4, four four, 
So if you need to, for example, if someone's just come and trying to take the ball off him, you give him four influence and he punches them a lot for decent momentous damage. Mm-hmm. He's just a really good... He's slow, is his only problem. He's 4-6 move. But he's an excellent uh, ball, con- ball control, ball holder, and can punch people. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the apprentices you'll see without the, his associated master, purely for the ball um, holding abilities. I think if you see ferrite, usually iron is going to actually be quite proactive. Like, yeah, no, because he has a good playbook. Also, he's the hardest to kill a set. He's the hardest to kill apprentice. Yeah, he has tough fight. And and three three when in Sentinel is a brutal defensive stat. Um, he also, I guess, for for both Blacksmith players and opposition players, unlike other models, say like Mash that the ball gets killed on, Iron wants you to come and stand near him. Because he will beat the crap out of models, and he is also really good at throwing stuff off the pitch. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful with iron. And I think let, let, let's talk a bit about what I think. Um, and we called it sort of uh, sad triangle, didn't we? But I think what um, uh, roll better did commit uh, coin the term lament configuration with iron, <laughs> like which I think is you stand, you put the ball on iron, you put him with a sentinel master, you put him next to burnish. And you stand him in cover and you laugh at your opponent. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, why, why is this a thing that's done? It's, because it's oh, I mean, fun. <laughs> because if, you, if your opponent's trying to score goals and you've done that, they can't. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's pretty much impossible to get the ball off him unless you have multiple models with a character play that can strip the ball. Uh, we should also note that Iron has battering ram. Yeah. So Tomon is also useful for pushing three or four of your models an extra two inches up the pitch. He's also really good for like the the flip side of that is he's also incredibly good at pushing enemy models yeah. into your scrum. So you mm. have to be a bit wary of that with Iron, that he will suddenly just tootle out of his scrum, push a model in, and then he's got a double push on one hit and he's tack six. So he can move models quite yeah. a long way. Um mm. So, but I think I don't know. But that is also to play down. Like I think in a kicking ferrite team, you know, he he is an apprentice that will go and score you points and do damage, and yeah. and he's quite a good like first apprentice to commit because, as we said, he is harder to kill than the other apprentices. So if you are looking to missile one apprentice into the opposition, which you know ideally you wouldn't be doing, but if you're gonna do it, iron's probably quite a good model to do that with. Yep, agreed. Okay. Now we're coming on to one who we have said was captain and and I think went from being the least popular Sentinel Master to the most popular Sentinel Master, which is probably says a lot about the buffs that Cast got. But let's talk about Furnace and let's talk about O Cinder. Actually, let's just talk about both Cinders when we do this. So we'll talk about Furnace first of all, and then we'll talk about both Cinders. So Furnace is a good, really good setup model. Um he has an, an achievable knockdown with tax six. He has tooled up and he has searing strike. Um, so him tooling up one of your apprentices and then putting out searing strike onto a couple of models is a really good early activation. Um, he also, as mentioned, has a three, eight kick for some reason. The number uh, of times I've scored goals with Farnes, particularly at the end of the game, where you're like, Farnes, and he's got two-inch reach as well, and a tackle yeah. on one. Yeah. He's, he's weirdly weirdly good at football. Uh, yeah. Just one of those models. But he's just... 
it's just a really good all-round model uh, in Smiths. Whether you play him as captain or not as captain, he brings. He's a sentinel master, so he does a bit of everything, and it's hard not to bring him, regardless of which other players you are using. He's one of the first names on there, unless you have a specific reason not to. He can pretty much do anything you want him to do at any given point in the game. That's how good his playbook is with tactics. Um, how good his well, how good just tooled up is just in general. Um, and he's got how good the back of his card is, a searing strike, sentinel, and a useful legendary play giving plus one tack mm. to him and or to everyone else around him if he's captain. He also has one of those like dickhead counterattacks that like although he's unlikely to actually disengage a model in a counterattack, doing one damage in searing strike can yeah. be a really, really nasty little counterattack where suddenly a model's like stripped of a of his point of armor so he he's he's got a lot going on and yeah i think you, you tend to see him in in most lineups like you need quite a good reason these days not to bring furnace let's talk about both senders so let's talk about o sender first of all who i'll put my cards on the table i don't play o sender very often uh, and that is not a comment on her being a bad model that's a comment on vet sender being an I, insanely good model i i think i don't think you talk about either of them in isolation because they're both really really good it's very much dependent on what you're looking to do so vetsinder is the damage dealer sweeping charge uh impale a better damaging playbook tax six as opposed to five she she's the one if you just want to charge in and kill people so it's twitch melee as well yeah indeed um osinder is the utility ball retrieval piece. Um, so she still has Searing Strike. So if she hits someone, she can put that out. Um, she has a free attack if she uh, starts winning six of Furnace. Uh, she has Fast Strike. Um, and if you have Instruction on her from half, she effectively gets a free tackle Yeah, um, from six inches away. So if you're looking to get the ball back, oh, and she has kill the ball if the ball's on the ground. So if you're if you're going with a more football centric uh, Smiths lineup, she is probably the cinder for you. Yeah, or if you're playing into a more footbally team, like not engineers, don't play her into engineers because <laughs> they have a lot of close control. But like you know, into Yukai or uh, you know teams without a lot or navigators, she can be very good because yeah just threatening to take the ball away from someone from 14 inches away for an influence is awful good. It's pretty good. Um, I think you play Osinder if you're looking to score two goals or three goals, or as you say, if you really, really want to annoy a football team by just taking the ball and going home with it. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing to note, you mentioned about serving strike and counterattacks with Furnace. On both, both Cinders, neither of them have a knockdown. So people just walk away from them on passing blows. And that's where burning really, really affects people with searing strike. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just because they don't have a knockdown doesn't mean their passing blows aren't great. Yeah, and and I think uh, V sender, like having the combo and V sender of the the sweeping charge, which you're usually hitting a roundabout sort of five damage on, 
and then impale once models are sailing strikes. So Vsend is another good model of, oh, I've got this model safe. They're on three health and they've backed away. And no, Vsend is going to kill that model because she's going to throw a spear at it from quite a long way away. So, and, and she is one of the few models that can actually hit six point activations for Blacksmiths because mm-hmm. of Grim Vengeance. So oh. she can get a free kick mm-hmm. or a free attack uh, when she takes something out. So she, I mean, I just, I, I love Vsender. I mean, she's, she's amazing. Um, she's just like, she's just like, also, I guess the other thing is, and both Senders are true of this, like, they do stuff that you can't get easily from other models. So ball retrieval from O Sender and like, and damage from Vsender, because remember, you've only really got three models your three apprentices to output stuff with. So if you don't take V-Sender, you're probably only got cast as your damage model unless you take Sledge. So you have to think very carefully about where your damage is going to come from if you're not taking V-Sender. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's, it's, it's hard to look past taking Furnace and one of the Cinders in your six. I agree. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Totally. Um, coming on to a model that it's hard to look past, there are certain <laughs> situations. Varnish. <laughs> and... <sighs> Who's Barnish's apprentice, by the way? Oh, you never, you never uh, see her. Ca- cast. Uh, oh, it's cast. This is like <laughs> theoretically cast as Barnish's apprentice, um, right? <laughs> I mean, you you play Barnish for the for the back of his card. Let's be honest here. You play him oh. for reduction, which is let's clear conditions every smelling salts for free every single turn. But it's better okay. than smelling salts. We should just remember reduction is better than smelling salts because Barnish can use it when he's knocked down. Because it's true, character yeah. trait. And so also, that will yeah. catch people out because Barnish can clear all his, con- his own conditions for free. And then you've got reinforced plating against teams such as Corsair, such as Theron, Ballista, teams that want to shoot at you. You just burnish, stand, burnish next to whoever they're shooting at, i.e., iron with the ball, um, and just say no. Yeah, Barnish is just a big heap of no. He's like no fun, like to the opposition. He's funny if you're playing it, but he's basically, basically think of the rules that the, your opposition has. Barnish just says no to them. So you play him into teams like Alchemist because they put all the conditions out and he just goes no. You play him into teams like Theron, like Ballista, like Corsair that have those ranged character plays and you don't play him any of the rest of the time. Which is weird because he's really, really good. It's it's well, kind of a testament to how kind of in in a lot of ways how balanced the guild actually is outside one particular model which we're about <laughs> to come on to, where there are you know there there is space for all of the masters mm. and well all the players. Um, so yeah, Burnish is really really good, but you still don't take him all the time because there's other better models for certain he, situations. He's the ultimate tech pick. Like yeah. I think, isn't he? Because like, because because you he doesn't give a lot to your. Th- like, he doesn't actually improve models in your team. He just makes stuff not happen for your opponent. You know, he can put fire in front and that sort of thing. So so it's more about when your opponent is asking like a really specific, usually character play or condition related yeah. question of you that you want burnish. But if you don't need that, then obviously you're usually better taking like a Sentinel Master or Hearth or Culvern or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's okay. so good at what he does but other masters bring more all-round abilities yeah okay let's talk about the de facto captain of blacksmiths who's cast and we are talking about the remember we are talking about the nerfed version of cast after the mm-hmm. i mean if you don't play cast you're doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's an unfair statement she's just that good 
Pre-community errata, that was 100% true. Post-community errata, that is uh, 99% true. Yeah, she, she's I she's think. not as broken as... She's not straight up broken. She's still really good. And I think this is worth saying for vCinder and for Cast. It's one of the things that... Cast is better at it, but vCinder is very good at this. They are apprentices who also do setup. So they output damage, they output stuff, but they also actually set up and enable other models, which other apprentices don't do. Mm. You know, they, they can actually debuff the enemy. So so they so either of them can basically go first without necessarily having to use a master. Now, cast usually doesn't want to go first, and V Cinder is probably better at going first in a turn. Because and that's not because cast is bad, it's because when you start sticking buffs on her, she goes crazy. <laughs> Yep, and weirdly, V Cinder is a very good model at uh, setting up uh, cast. Yeah, because cast loves people being on fire and having no armor. Yeah, and she, she so I, like realistically, cast, cast's actual master is Hearth, because like Hearth can give her two inch reach and she can give an auto hit, you know, two auto hits on attack, and it's really important for cast because. The long-held debate that we used to have was, my argument was that a, the season 4.3 or whatever it was, Minx was better than Cass because she had a better first column. Cass' first you column... were wrong. Cass' first <laughs> column, not good. Cass yeah, second, but overall, but, but in faction, Cass was better. Cass' second column being so good. I mean, Shield yeah. Glare has got to be one of the best character plays. Um, minus one attack, and more importantly, minus one defence on any yeah. someone within six inches. And Plus, you've got damage on it, damage. which is momentous, and because she's got swift strikes, that's a two-inch dodge. It's possibly the best. Or tooled up, it it's can be possibly the best single result in Guild Ball. That two damage, momentous two damage Guild Ball, because of all the associated things that Cast gets off it. I think it's the best second column in the game, which is like, which is some statement, like because it's. But like I think I, I would agree with you on that. There are better results, but they're higher up the playbook. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. that is that is an incredible second column because as you say, it's a dodge, it's a character play, and it's damage. And if she if she's been given two inch melee by half, she's also functionally immune to counterattacks. Yeah, and if she hits shield glare, even if she's not got two inch melee, she's often functionally immune to counterattacks because you're often looking at the model attacking her being minus two attack. Yeah. Um. So, so she is another model that can cause absolute havoc in a team. Um, the only limit is, like, if she had a five cap or a six cap, she'd be. Yeah. I mean, we should also probably say she's also got seven nine move with swift strikes as a dodge and a four six kick. So she's also quite good at scoring goals. Especially because sure, she... she's got um, fumble, so she can knock the ball off models and recover it. Yeah, and go and dodge with Drift Strikes to go and get it. So not only can she deal out the damage, she can go and score a casual goal when she wants to. And I think usually with her, what you're looking at, though, despite the fact she can she can definitely get an opportune goal, usually what you're looking at doing is sitting on her activation, giving her four influence, you sit on her activation until you've given her tooled up, um, instruction, instruction and use this and ideally have a model set on fire somewhere yeah and she goes and deletes that model <laughs> yeah and and probably does some other crazy stuff as well because she's just yeah she's just got an amazing playbook uh yeah she, she i agree with you valerian as much as the page would say she, if you're not taking cast you are you're you're doing it wrong like she is an auto include so four six kick as well yeah, yeah. 
Um, and commonly, that is your last activation on turn one kicking is her with all the buffs up going yeah. and dealing a chunk of damage to someone. Yeah. Which, interestingly, the 4-6 kick, though, when we come on to the next master, <laughs> is, is is very useful if you're receiving the ball. Is um, this Faris by any chance? Faris and Bolt. <laughs> Let's talk about Faris and Bolt. So uh, we mentioned Faris briefly earlier on as being the kind of default receive kick. This is receive model. Uh, receive captain. Kick model captain. I got there in the end. Um, <laughs> because of her legendary. Yeah. Um, so she gives everyone within six inches a free kick uh, and plus one to their kick stat during their activation. So if you can receive, get the ball on Faris early, Faris legendaries, you have momentum generation and movement out of activation movement for your entire team. So it's really easy to push push models up the board uh, receiving to threaten. So Cinder, Cast, your third apprentice, whatever. It's Who, whoever you want. Bring them back. Yes. The other, you know, back, into set, back into your one-inch widget. Is using Vets as a jog forge, thrown and pale at the kicking model, and then free pass to dodge backwards dodge four back. inches to Sentinel. Yeah. Back to Faris, yeah. Um, and then your opponent can't come into you anyway. But they sort of need to go with that model before Cast deletes it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and and uh, Faris, yeah, she, so it's, it's a brilliant legendary. She's brutal, two, three, 19 boxes. She, she is also really good at clutch scoring goals because she has a 10 inch sprint and two inch reach, and she can give herself quick foot as well. So she's one of the models that, as a captain, five influence, you can suddenly go, Do you know what? It's the, you know, my opponent's got the ball safe. I'm going to charge in. I'm going to tackle the ball. She's got a uh, two-inch reach. It's great. She's got Sentinel. She's got Stagger, which is a really good character play on two columns. She's tag six. Um, she's got really good pushes, so she can push people into your melee, into your scrum. She can push people off the pitch easily as well. And and the other one, of course, is she's got Give It A Whack. So her goal threat range is effectively about 21 inches, something like that. Because she can quick foot herself, she can sprint 10 inches, she can unsnap the ball, and then she can take a shot. So she has maybe yeah. 18 and 20. a bit. Yeah, 21. No, 21 it, gives you, 21. it gives you 20 and twenty and a bit, basically. Yeah, 20 and a bit. So so she is really good for that, like, downtown, close the game out, goal through. The only trouble is she's got 2-6 kick, which can be a bit, like, a bit ropey. But, like, um, so weirdly, spot. when you're doing that, that janky thing with her, like, when you're do, using her legendary to move... To, you do not want Faris to be the model making lots of passes. <laughs> Which when we come on to because she actually has bad kick stats. She has the worst kick stat in Blacksmiths, I think. Yeah, she does, yeah. With, Her and Iron. With Iron. Yeah. But Iron. basically, I mean on the legend zone it's a three six kick, it's not so bad. But it's when there's so plenty of models around with a four dice kick. Or a five dice kick. Let's well, talk about dice dice of, speaking of speaking speaking of five dice kicks. Let's talk about the hill I'm going to die on. Bolt is amazing. Like I, I there are very exceptional circumstances for not playing Bolt on the receive. Bolt is... He's so good. So, particularly with Faris, because obviously the legendary gives a free um, kick. I mean, I don't he gets a free I'm open from Faris, which means you give him a couple of influence, he can pick the ball up, pass the ball, retrieve the ball again, get the ball back with I'm open for free and pass the ball again. So, for one influence... With Faris's legendary, he generates three momentum. Yeah. Um, 
the first time I used that against someone at a tournament, they just looked at me with, that is absolute filth. You are a bastard, was the exact words. <laughs> I mean, you, you are. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, he's, he's so good. And, but I think the, tr- the trick is, like, he can score goals from a long way away as well. But actually what Bolt is really, really good at is generating momentum and moving your team around. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, Franco, you'd never play him without Faris. That, that because he becomes really influence inefficient rather than really efficient. Um, but he's great at moving your whole team around and changing threat ranges or moving a model that's in threat range out of threat range or moving models into it. And the combination of I'm open and his passes means he can actually move a master and an apprentice up. So he yeah. can sort of yeah. get you into like a safe position. And he's also got a range knockdown. Which is a very silly play that you can do to your own models to knock an opponent down. Yeah. And it's also um, got a really long range if you get it right. Because if you put it on like a 40mm model, like he can stand four inches away from a 40mm model, hit that 40mm model, and then knock down a model four range. inches away. Faris is basically the perfect target for it. She's got lots of hitboxes to start with. So yeah. a couple of damage is fine. And she's on a 50mm base. So the range from there is then really long. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, so I, I think I, I would never take Bolt on the kick. I would take Faris on the kick. I'd take Faris without Bolt sometimes, definitely. Mm. Um, yeah. Because I mean, for... S- Sentinel Master with Quickfoot and a solid playbook. Yeah, two inch uh, melee. Yeah. There's lots of things to like about her on her own. But uh, Bolt's generally a received piece. Yeah, because he wants the ball. And he wants he also. To... Safely. He also wants the free character play from uh, from his master, from Faris. Yeah, you'd that. never. Without it, no. Without it, he's a bad model. But with it, he's he's a very yeah. good model. Let's talk about. Um, we've already talked about it a little bit. Casts master, and I think half is the number one reason I think you don't see three sentinel masters all the time. Uh, yeah. Um, so she gives out instruction and use this, which are amazing. Um, giving an apprentice plus two net hits is with the ten to damage playbooks that most of the apprentices have is just amazing, full stop. And giving someone like Cast or even Iron or Sledge two inch melee really kind of good. Plus the knockdown on one with Tac Five is pretty pretty useful generally. And potentially uh, three inch reach. Yeah, so she's pretty good at locking locking models down with sturdy on herself as well. Yeah, um, and the other one we touched you touched on earlier, Franco, is match experience. Match experience. Yep, letting like a, the kicking and receiving models both pass and move really enables the uh, the movement shenanigans, especially under the Ferris legendary. The combination of those two lets you basically reposition your whole team. With with ease, and still generate momentum out of it. Yep. Yeah, and I think also what it does allow you to do is like is as you say, like what you're looking to do if you're looking to like engage with blacksmiths. You ideally want to engage with either apprentices who can then get safe, so like missile them out, but then they come back because of both dodging in the match experience aura, or a mass a set a master with sentinel and an apprentice. And sort of hearth enables that by them just passing to each other and then sort mm-hmm. of moving up with your one inch widget in hand, making sure they're both in sentinel and both in cover and, and setting that up. So I think yeah, she she's excellent. She's she's one of the masters you I would say these days you pretty much always see her without her apprentice. Yeah, Alloy's in a weird spot. Um it's 
Alloy has basically had his spot stolen by cast. Mm. Yeah. Because um, Alloy, you look at Alloy, it's actually quite good. He's really good. Acrobatic, Dirty Knives, Back to the Shadows, gets free stuff from being near half really quick. Good kick stat. Good tackle. Oh, he's limited by his tackle dodge being so high up his playbook. That's what really hurts. That his tackle double dodge is on five hits, which even with instruction is far from guaranteed. Yeah. 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 Even but, with instruction and anatomical, that that is a hard result to hit. I, I tend to play him specifically into like vet rage. Like that's that's the main situation I would have used him in, like particularly pre-cast buffs. And I think he so I think he, because they're one of those teams that doesn't have amazing options for like defending the ball. I mean, and wants to use it, but even then, like, um, because I he's a, found he's such an easy drop from my twelve because you have to drop three players, yeah. which generally means a master and apprentice combo and one other. Yeah, because you can just play his master happily without her apprentice. Alloy is such an easy drop, and then drop another master and apprentice. So it's sad because he is not bad, and I definitely played him pre cut pre good cast, but it feels just easy just to drop him from the twelve entirely. There's one other situation where I've not done it, but uh, Fraser McFetridge did give me this piece of tech. Uh, so like, <laughs> given he's better than me at Guildhall. He's the person you should have had on this podcast, but he was but, obviously yeah, busy tonight. So it's, it's almost as if Steamforge Games aren't speaking to us that much anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that Fraser isn't, he's a lovely guy. Um, but one of the things is, like, one of the problem matchups is Scalpel. Scalpel is a problem for Blacksmiths, particularly kicking Scalpel. And actually, Alloy going up, throwing dirty knives at Scalpel when she kicks, back to the shadows, maybe buying a pass away can realistically put it in a, in a situation where Scalpel suddenly under a much pressure to go early, which Scalpel doesn't like. So that's that's the tech piece I've seen it as, and, and Fraser reckons that's one of... Blacksmiths don't have many good options into Scalpel, so this is not like, like now Scalpel's doomed, but it's like one of the options that like he put forward as a way of potentially managing Scalpel for Blacksmiths. I think, I think generally, though, you use Vet Cinder in the same way. I think Scalpel still gets to her, though. Because because she doesn't have back to the shadows and the pass. I don't think you're that fussed. If yeah. you do it as the first or second activation, if scal even if scalpel goes in and kills Vet Cinder, yeah. then cast goes and kills scalpel, which you're yeah. kind of okay with. The other one you can do it with is Culverin. Mm. Like, Again, you're, yeah, you're accepting that Culverin's going down, but like but like hitting scalpel for like five damage is pretty good. And knocking her down. Yeah, and also putting her in rough ground. Yeah. So she has to choose one or the other. Okay, so that's that's the specific little bit of scalpel text. Uh, tech. Is that everyone? Oh, alloy ha the other reason for using alloy is it's probably the best model in Smiths. It's a cool model, if you like ninjas. Yeah, I which everyone likes ninjas. The aforementioned Beard didn't like it. Who, who was the blacksmith's guy when they first came out? Do you remember? He didn't like it. He didn't like uh, Alex. doesn't like ninjas. But he's playing He's playing Bushido, yeah. <laughs> which, is all, which has got loads of ninjas. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming he's not playing the ninja faction. Mm -hmm. um, do we have any sort of other general stuff we want to touch on for blacksmiths as part of this sort of... Um, did, did we mention the perfect positioning in the one-inch widget? Yeah, yeah. Did we mention that? I think we mentioned yeah, that. Sentinel and cover, and, and don't go forwards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, I think in that, that probably is a podcast of some sort. Um, <laughs> listener, if you take one thing away from this podcast, it is buy a one-inch widget. <laughs> like this, uh, um, unless you're fortunate enough to already be endowed with one. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> So on that note, this has been uh, singled out a sometime global podcast talking about blacksmiths. Um, can I just say thank you once again to my guests, Franco, General Franco Vance Langton. Uh, thank you. I'm just on again. Uh, Valerian, Misery Made Manifest Langton. Thank you and I approve of the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we, uh, we hope you have, I guess, I guess fun with blacksmiths as a result of this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. They might, their opponents might not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if if you can, what's the? How does a if go? Like you know, if you can stand still miserably, insensible and cover about you lose your heads, then you are a blacksmith's player, my son. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that has been an episode. Thank you very much, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>